I don't know about you, but so far this year, 2021 has been crazy. <laughs> um, I It's funny because after 2020, I was like in my head thinking, I wonder if 2021 is going to be just a little smoother in some sense. But now that we're a few weeks in already, I feel like 2020 was really just sort of a taste of maybe what 2021 is going to be like. I don't know. How are you feeling right now? I had to make a really tough decision and the decision was around my fat loss for type ones course because as you might already know, we launched the course every single year in January and I, you know, Honestly, I kind of, and this could just be in my head too, where I'm like, I feel like I'm letting people down if I don't launch and blah, like just thinking all this stuff. But, you know, we made a really big move. We are kind of nomads for a bit. We're in Arizona right now. And the whole move itself was just crazy. Um, And then I feel like I'm still gathering my stuff, my just getting organized and Yeah, it's been a little chaotic. So I decided after a lot of thought to push our launch date and open enrollment for my fat loss course. It'll be um, the beginning of March, uh, beginning to middle of March is when we're going to officially open the doors. And I felt bad because I know a lot of people have entered to win the program, but I also feel excited because this gives those of you who haven't yet entered to win the program, if it's something that you feel resonates, then you still have the chance to enter to win. So what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to announce a winner for those of you guys who have already entered. And then if you don't win the program, like I'm going to announce it this month in January, but just keep in mind that doors will be open in March. And then I'm going to announce another winner in the beginning of March 2021 for the program. So I just had to say that because it's been a toughie. I'm like, I'm really excited for the program and I want to, I think it's really important that when I take you guys through the program, I am in top notch shape, like mindset wise, because I'm going to be working with you guys for six weeks and I, after weighing out the options, I'm like, yeah, I could launch in January and have all of you guys join the program. But if I'm not mentally in a good place because I'm so busy and things have been chaotic and I'm moving and I'm organizing and all this stuff, then it's not really fair to you. And so that's why I decided to push the date back a little bit because I feel that by doing so, you guys are going to get so much more out of the program and that's the whole point. The whole point is to get as much out of it as you can and work together and I think it's going to be so much more valuable to you. So that is what we've decided and if you don't know about my fat loss program, my program is the complete roadmap to fat loss for people living with type 1 diabetes. I don't know about you, but not feeling confident in your skin is literally one of the worst feelings, in my opinion. It's something that I struggled with for a very, very long time, but it's also the exact place that I was in that really led me to 
be able to achieve my fitness goals. And that is exactly what I share with you. I share all of the steps on how to achieve your weight loss goal in a sustainable way so that you can lose the weight and keep it off. So to enter to win my fat loss for type ones program, just go to diabeticfitnessworld.com forward slash win. I will link this in the show notes and in this episode today, Sarah Miller joins us. She is just such a bright light and I feel so incredibly grateful to have connected with Sarah. Honestly, we originally connected through Instagram and I just feel so blessed. Like on, like you might feel this way too where the diabetes community online is amazing. And I I can't believe I went so many years without even knowing that it ex- existed, but it's brought together so many of you amazing humans. And I, I feel that I had gone years feeling so alone living with type 1 diabetes. And then suddenly I just feel heard and seen and there's it's just such a beautiful thing and I love all of you guys so much. So yeah. Anyways, you are going to love Sarah. She is a lived experience turned neuro-linguistic programming, NLP, therapeutic applied percussion, and mindset coach on a mission to help other humans be the best human they can be using the tools and techniques she has learned through personal experience over the years, plus her training and intuition. And the term lived experience, we kind of dive into this, you'll hear in this conversation, but it basically means that everything she teaches and coaches on, she has lived through or experienced herself. Sarah is from Australia. She has been living with type 1 diabetes for just over 10 years, and she has been plant-based for just over a year and a half. I'm so excited to share with you this conversation today. We talked about type 1, her diagnosis story, NLP, and overcoming limiting beliefs, especially when it comes to diabetes, and how she's increased her insulin sensitivity through eating a plant-based diet. So if you've ever wondered about eating plant-based or you are eating plant-based and you have questions on how to get enough protein every single day, I know that was a huge one for me when I was eating plant-based, or you are just interested in a plant-based diet and want to learn more or how to get started. She shares everything and she even goes through like what she personally eats in a day. Before we dive into this episode today, if you have not yet subscribed to this podcast, please do take a couple seconds to hit that subscribe button because that way you won't miss out on upcoming episodes or bonus content. And we do have a bunch of exciting stuff coming up. So be sure to hit that subscribe button. And also, if you enjoy this episode today, if it inspires you in some way, or if you enjoy listening to this podcast, please take a couple seconds to rate and review this podcast. It really means the world when you do take the time to do this. I know that you probably hear this on every single podcast you listen to, including this one. I kind of feel like a broken record. But honestly, when you take the time to just quickly rate the podcast by scrolling down on whichever app you're listening to this podcast on and tapping the stars to rate the podcast, when you take the time to do this, 
this. It really helps expand the reach of this podcast and it makes it possible for other people to find the show and benefit from listening to this content as well. And if you feel called to do so, please leave me a quick review and let me know what you enjoy most about listening to this podcast or what your biggest takeaway is from this episode today. Thank you so much for your support of this show. Welcome to the More Than Just a Type podcast, a place where we explore what it takes to live your best life. I'm your host, Taja Cato, expert in type 1 diabetes and fat loss, entrepreneur, and lover of all things fitness and personal development. Each week, we'll bring you a tangible tool, tip, or insight that'll inspire you and empower you to take action, achieve your goals, and live your best life. Welcome, Sarah. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you so much for inviting me on today. I'm so excited to chat with you. Yeah, I guess. Okay, so let's um, just start, I guess. Like, I want to know about you and how long you've had type one and what you do just to introduce yourself to everyone. Yeah, sure. So I have been a type one diabetic for just over 10 years. Um, I was diagnosed when I was 18 years old and it was completely out of the blue. No one in my family had type 1 diabetes or diabetes of any type. Um, And in hindsight, there were a few, I guess, sort of symptoms or little like red flags, maybe about a year to 18 months before my official diagnosis. Um, So I was noticing I was so tired. I was doing my my year 11 and 12 studies. I'm not sure what you guys call them in the States, but we call them like HSC or TEE here. Um, So tertiary entry. And so I was studying a lot and I just sort of put my my fatigue and my tiredness down to all the study I was doing. Um, I also dropped a lot of weight. I think I dropped about 10 kilos in the space of like well, a matter of months. And I was like, okay, that's, that's unusual. Um, I also noticed my hair was thinning. Um, my mum even took me to a dermatologist to get them to check it out because it was so bizarre and unusual, but yeah, so I was extremely tired. I dropped a lot of weight, but I was still eating the same amount of food, if not more, like my appetite hadn't changed. Um, really thirsty. And the biggest kicker was I kept getting UTIs. So yeah, I just, I was getting a lot more UTIs than usual. And that's sort of how my diagnosis came about. I actually went to see the GP. Um, they took a urine sample, of course, and they came back and said, okay, there's a little bit, um, you know, there's an unusual amount of glucose in your urine. We're going to send you for a glucose test. And I was like, okay, what the heck does this mean? I knew nothing about diabetes at this point. And I just thought it was something that old people got. Like, I don't even remember there being a kid at school. And I feel like a lot of diabetics, um, before they were diagnosed, will always reference the kid that was at their school taking insulin or always had their jelly beans on them. But I don't even remember that. So it was such a foreign concept to me. But um, so I went for this glucose test and sure enough, confirmed I'm a diabetic and it all just started from there like I um I didn't go on insulin right away they just sent me home with a glucose monitor and just said all right because 
you're not like we're not seeing extremely high amounts of glucose in your blood um let's just monitor it to start out so they sent me home with my glucose monitor I was taking my finger prick um before and after every meal and that went on for a couple of months but my symptoms just increased and increased and my mom took me back to the GP and was like right we need to get some things moving here like let's take action um and yeah sure enough the GP was like okay you're blood glucose level is ridiculously high. Let's get you to the ED. And I started on insulin that day. So that was about 10 years ago. Um, and ever since I have been insulin dependent. That's so crazy. It's so fascinating hearing everyone's story. Like when I do meet another type one, just cause they're all so different. So yeah. did they, did they say you had type one right away or like, were you in that honeymoon phase that they talk about where you didn't need insulin? Is that what? Exactly. Yeah. Yes. So I was in that honeymoon phase and that's why they didn't immediately put me on, um, insulin. And even when I started on insulin, I was on quite small doses, I guess, compared to like the majority. Um, so yeah, I was definitely in that honeymoon phase, um, which now in hindsight, I'm like, oh, that honeymoon phase, there's so much opportunity to make big changes and actually like, you know, slow down the process in that phase. But um, I guess I just didn't have access to all of the information and I was just taking what my doctors were telling me. And because no one I knew had any experience with diabetes, there was no um, one to sort of guide me. So looking back now, I'm like, oh, to be in that honeymoon phase and to make changes to your your diet and your nutrition and your exercise plan, like how might that have changed things in in the long term yeah. and where I'm at now? Yeah, it's so crazy thinking about that because it's so true, especially in that stage. Did Were you hospitalized at all at the very beginning or did they just send you home? Yeah, they just sent me home. Okay. So, no, I just – it was basically like, okay, I went to the ED that day. They introduced me to Lantus, so a slow-releasing insulin. And they were like, okay, so from today you will be taking this many units um, and you have to do it every single day. And <laughs> the thought of putting a needle into myself was just crazy, right? Yeah, so – yeah. Well, like, how did you feel and what did you do? Because I cannot, like, I was in the hospital for two weeks and am practicing on stuff. So I can't imagine just being like, here you go. Like, good luck. Here's your new life. Yeah, exactly. That's what it felt like. And my mom, she was like an emotional wreck because she's like, oh my gosh, my, my child has diabetes. Like, what does this mean for the rest of her life? You know, focusing on those real um hardcore negative potential complications, um, which is what I find a lot of doctors sort of ingrain in you. Um, but I'm sure we'll get to that. Um, but yeah, so they just sent me home with my insulin and it took me, yeah, it was a really emotional time because I was like, no, I just don't want to do it. I don't want to stick a needle in me. Like I, I don't even fully understand what this disease is. So why am I going to stick that in myself? Like, um, it was just so, so foreign, but yeah. And my mum was like, you've got to do it. You've got to do it. So like on, you know, in 
on one side, I've got myself being like, no, what the hell? This is so crazy. What's going on? And then my mom's in my other ear going, you have to do this. You have to do this. Otherwise, basically you'll die. So (laughs) yeah, it was a lot going on. It was very, very emotional. Yeah, I can imagine. And that was uh, grade 12. Was it grade 12? You're 18. So was that 12th, like you were in your like senior year? So just after, so um, I had finished, uh, yeah, my senior year the year before. And so my 18th year um, was my first year out of high school. I was going to university. I had just started going out clubbing and partying with my friends. So that was another experience that I had to like, I guess, come to terms with that I can't I guess, drink and party in the same way that my friends were. Um, I have to be a lot more cautious. So yeah, there was a lot going on at that time. So much. I can't even imagine. Like I was diagnosed at nine and I mean, I think it's hard no matter what age, right? But I can't, like being a teenager, I just can't imagine going through a diagnosis at that age. Like I think I would just, I don't know. I don't know what I do. I mean, yeah, exactly. It is hard at any age, but I think because I'd lived 18 years of my life up until that point, not having diabetes and not having to even think about what I was eating or what I was doing, um, it was a real shocker and a real process to, I guess, come to terms with. And I actually, to be completely honest, like I was in total denial about it for many years. Like I would say it's probably only been the last four or five years that I've been like, right, this is happening. This isn't going anywhere anytime soon. Um, If I want to live a long and healthy life and if I want to do all the things that I want to do, then I need to take some serious action towards like my health. Um, so that's what my, how my journey has, what the focus of my, that's, sorry, that's been the focus of my journey over the past, um, yeah, I would say four to five years, just really focusing on like the holistic picture. So that's my approach to health. It's like um, really making sure that that mindset is in check because I believe that it then stems out into the other areas of your life. So if you are not operating from like a healthy um, mindset and mentality, then you're probably going to be less likely to, uh, focus on putting nourishing and healthy foods into your body. You're probably not going to be as motivated to actually go exercise. Um, so I, I believe it all stems from the mind. Um, but yeah, like for those first five years, I was in denial. I was really ignorant about it. I was trying to do what everyone else was doing, going out, partying with friends, eating whatever I wanted, Um, and I just felt like shit basically. So, so what was there a turning point where you were like, okay, now I'm like ready to just accept it and take care of myself. I can't remember there being like a specific pinpoint moment that was like light bulb going off. Like it's time to change the course of your life. Yeah. Um, I remember it being quite gradual. Um, I sort of remember just going to my appointments, like with my endocrinologist and my diabetes educators and like sitting in those waiting rooms and just sort of feeling like, surely this, like, surely there's more 
going on here? Like surely this is not how it's supposed to be, you know, going to these appointments like every three or four months and just having them check on your HbA1c and then maybe having a catch up with a dietitian who is still working off a food pyramid from like 1975 and telling you that you have to eat low carb and low GI to maintain good BGLs. I was just like, this just doesn't sit right with me. And I had really nothing to go off either. Like at this point, um, I hadn't really connect. I didn't even have any diabetic friends at this point. I wasn't connecting with people on social media. I wasn't really doing my own research. It was just sort of this like niggling feeling like, I guess, intuition um, that just sort of told me there has got to be another way. Um, And even just finding, even just support from somewhere else. I wasn't feeling super supported in that environment. Um, Like when I was diagnosed, there was, um, I was offered like uh, an opportunity to see a psychologist, but because it was so new, I didn't even really know what to talk about with them. I didn't really know how diabetes was going to in, um, was going to impact my day to day life yet, um, or relationships, or my dating life, or friendships, or my social life. Um, but yeah, so I just had this feeling that there was something something else going on out there. And that's when I started to connect with other diabetics. Social media has been amazing for that. I started to do my own research. And I guess that's kind of led me to where I am now. And um, I'm actually following a plant-based, a whole food plant-based diet for uh, my diabetes to help improve my insulin sensitivity. Um and also really, really super focused on mindfulness and mindset in order to keep all of those things functioning. Um, so, yeah, I guess just like trusting my intuition on that, it's sort of led me to where I am now. Um, and now I also want to help other diabetics to uh, believe and understand the same because from what I see, particularly on social media, a lot of diabetics are still feeling fearful of all of the possible life-threatening negative complications that can arise from having diabetes. Um, They're still being told to follow like particular old school low GI diets um, and they're still receiving the same information from their endocrinologists and diabetes educators. So that really sort of fueled me to sort of start putting my own content out there and to start educating people that there is another way. And you can live a very happy and healthy life, which doesn't revolve around your diabetes. Um, Something I really like to, I guess, um, really focus on is that you are more than just your diabetes, right? And you can live with diabetes as your sidekick. So for me going from this like denial phase of like, uh, I just want to be like everyone else, like this disease sucks, like it hinders my life in so many ways. I'm now actually in a place of gratitude with it. Like I'm, I'm so grateful for this disease because I think if I hadn't have been diagnosed, I probably wouldn't have been as focused on my health. Yes. And I'm putting in my body and how I'm moving my body and the thoughts that I'm thinking. I don't think I would, I would have just been 
carrying on with my life the way that I was. And now in hindsight, I, I don't think that was a very healthy life. So in that sense, I'm actually really grateful for my diabetes and that's something I really want to, um, I guess, work with other people on reaching that place of gratitude for their disease as well. I love that. And that's such a powerful just place to be, like, you know, because it's true. It can be so hard for people to just switch that <laughs> mindset that they have. Totally. Especially after years of conditioning, you know, it's like when you, especially if you were diagnosed as a child and you've been seeing the same doctor and they just, or even a few different doctors and they're all telling you the same thing. It's like, what are you going to believe? Of course, you're going to believe that diabetes can lead to serious complications. Of course, you're going to believe that you should be eating a low GI diet. Um, it's just, it's all conditioning. It, it can take a really long time and a lot of work to actually rewire some of those beliefs. Um, so I, I totally get it. Yeah. And so you, okay, you are an L an L. NLP, right? NLP. Yes, NLP. And um, were you do? I guess for people who don't know what an NLP is, um, do you want to explain? <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, so NLP stands for Neuro Linguistic Programming. Um, so I am certified as an NLP practitioner. Um, I'm also certified in a technique called therapeutic applied percussion, um, which is if you're across EFT, um, it's basically a tapping technique, which heavily reduces stress and anxiety, um, in the body. Um, but NLP, so basically it's all about diving into, I guess, our subconscious mind, um, and really starting to look at those deep rooted underlying beliefs and values um, and those filters for how we process the world and all of the information that's coming at us. Um, because ugh, this, this is like a little bit mind blowing. There's actually like 2 million bits of information coming at us every single second. And of course our brain can't process or function through all of that. So what it does is uses our internal filters, which are our beliefs, our values, our upbringing, our memories, environment, even our mood and our blood sugar to actually process through that information, to sift through it and then present us only with the information that um, it considers to be most important to us. So um, you, you might have heard people say, well, that's just reality. Well, that's not actually true because that's just your reality. Everyone's got a different version and perception and understanding of what reality is, right? Um, so with NLP, we uh, I'm trained in a bunch of techniques and tools that can help us actually get to those deep-rooted underlying um, beliefs and filters, see what's going on there, start to understand how and why we start to um, act and think and feel the things that we do. Um, so those sort of repeated behavioural and emotional patterns um, which play out in our everyday life. Um, and I think a lot of the time we're just running on autopilot or we're just running from our conscious mind. So we're not actually thinking about like, okay, well, why do I keep feeling this feeling every single day? 
Um, why do I keep behaving in this way every single day? And we're not actually going deep and like seeing how one of those underlying internal filters could be influencing that action or that behavior or that habit or that emotion. So that's what NLP is all about. So I am an NLP um, and mindset coach. So what I do is actually help Um, I do one-on-one private sessions and I help the individual to actually get to know what their filters are for seeing and perceiving the world. Um, We start to look at how those beliefs and filters might be influencing their behaviours and emotions um, and those patterns and how it might be stopping them from actually achieving their goals. So, for example, it's like um, say you want to lose weight but um sorry I'll take that again so for example like say you want to lose weight but maybe you have this deep-rooted underlying belief that you aren't able to lose weight because everyone in your family was overweight right so your upbringing your environment your conditioning is um is getting you to believe that, okay, well, it's just not for me. I'm not one of those people that can lose weight. So you've got that underlying belief. And that's probably going to have an influence on, I guess, the behaviours and actions that you're taking in your life. So if you have that deep-rooted underlying belief, you're probably not going to be super focused on putting healthy and nourishing foods into your body. You're probably not going to be motivated to actually exercise and move your body because it's all stemming from this underlying belief. And The thing about beliefs is we might think that we believe something. We might try to tell ourselves that we believe something. But at the end of the day, if that deep-rooted subconscious belief is saying something else, that's what's going to run the show. So I like to say that our subconscious mind is actually running the show of our entire life. It's influencing everything. So that's why I believe NLP is so important because it gets into the subconscious mind. It checks out what is going on in there. It helps us to see, um, helps us to understand the how and why we do the things that we do. And that's when we can start to make changes at that subconscious level. That's so amazing. Like, I feel like I'm just lost in what you're saying because it's all so interesting (laughs) to me. (laughs) Um, And do you think like, because everyone probably has limiting beliefs, even if they don't think they do, right? Like, so do you think a lot of, so they're just not aware of certain things? Yeah. Um, everybody has limiting beliefs. Like this is something, um, I feel really strongly about because I think sometimes people tend to focus on like the, the common or the stereotypical limiting beliefs. Um, and then they might see someone else, maybe even on social media who doesn't, um, I guess, portray that they have those limiting beliefs, but they've got a whole bunch of limiting beliefs of their own. Um, yeah, everybody has limiting beliefs. Um, and there are definitely like a a whole bunch of like common or stereotypical limiting beliefs. And I can even talk about that in relation to diabetes, because I know for me personally, and even connecting with other diabetics, I can see that there are definitely some common recurring limiting beliefs among diabetics. Um, but yeah, everybody has limiting beliefs It's all based, like I said, on your upbringing, your memories, your beliefs, your environment. So 
um, I know exactly. It's like on the outside, you might look like you've got it all together, but deep down, you might actually be really, I guess, loathing on yourself, right? So what you portray to the world isn't always an accurate, I guess, depiction of what is going on inside. But it will it will start to become obvious because, and from a personal perspective um, and an individual perspective, it will become obvious because you might know that you have a particular goal or that you want to move forward in a particular area of your life, but for some reason you just can't quite seem to get there and you're not really sure why. And that's where NLP really comes um, in as being such a handy tool because we can actually deep dive and see what else might be going on. Um, and often what I find is that it's not always the problem that you think it is on a conscious level. Like a lot of clients will come in and they um, will, I guess, yeah, come in with a problem. But what we find when we actually start to unpack that and go deeper, it's a way, it's, it's a completely different problem or so yeah and it's it's really quite mind-blowing like I'll just give you an example um a personal uh example so I've been working with my own coaches and my own healers and um even NLP coaches like over the years and I think that's really helped me on my own journey to reaching this place of gratitude um but yeah so I did a, a session with one of my NLP coaches a few months ago um, and she was like, okay, let's work on a limiting belief that you have around diabetes. And I've had this limiting belief for years based on um, something that a guy I was dating said to me. So he, then this was years ago now, but he said, you will, oh, I would never reproduce with you because you have diabetes. And I was just like, I mean, you could just imagine like the whole, like, belief system and like emotions that would have like stemmed from hearing that right um and I carried it with me for years and years and it was something that I really wanted to start to shake um I guess it started to bother me a little bit more in recent times as I start to think about oh I would like to have my family you know my own family in the next couple of years and so that limiting belief definitely um came up for me again so I worked with one of my NLP coaches on it and I I went to her and I said okay um, I have this little underlying limiting belief that I will never have my own family and I won't, no one will want to reproduce with me based on what this guy told me years ago. And she was like, okay, sure. Like, that's what you think is going on here, but let's dive into your subconscious and see if that's actually what's going on. Um, so we did that, um, through a technique called timeline therapy, actually, which is amazing. Um, and she took me right back to before the age of like five, wow. right? Yeah. On this timeline. And what we actually discovered was that I, my, my issue wasn't believing that, um, I wouldn't reproduce because of my diabetes. It's actually was coming from a place of, um, lack of self-love. So, I wasn't loving myself enough to believe that I could have my own family. So I might have thought that this was his limiting belief that I was taking on, but really the reason it was so triggering for me and stuck with me for all these years was because of my own limiting belief around self-love. And 
then we looked at self-love and she was like, okay, well, where did you learn to, to not love yourself or that you're not worthy of love? And that's where the timeline therapy came in. And we actually, yeah, went back to before the age of five and discovered that it was my mum who wasn't loving herself or didn't think she was worthy of love. And I took on that conditioning and that belief. Wow. And yeah. And so then it's, um, it's popped up all these years later, um, based on this trigger, this thing that this guy said, um, but that's the beauty of NLP. It's like you, you might come into a session thinking that that is your problem, but really this is the, this is why this is a problem for you. So we get to that deep rooted, um, first ever memory of sort of that conditioning taking place. And that's where we work, um, at that level. And we, we start to clear that and rewire that and, um, and release that so that it doesn't play out as a trigger and a reoccurring issue in the rest of your life. That's so cool. That's really amazing. Yeah, that makes total sense. So um, for like thinking back, like with the timeline therapy, is it something where like it's in your subconscious, so you just don't remember it? It's not something that, is that how it works? Is it like? So with the timeline therapy, we... I mean, yes, it, it, it is based on a memory that it probably isn't playing out in like your conscious mm-hmm. mind. So probably a memory you haven't thought about maybe ever in your life, but it is there. It is a memory and it doesn't even have to be because we um, really like to work um, before the age of seven because, and particularly with timeline therapy and uh, this other technique called emotional release technique, Um, We take you back to the first memory that you ever had of experiencing that emotion or experiencing that kind of behavior. Um, And almost, in fact, like I'm going to say 100% of the time, you would have experienced it before the age of seven. And that is when we are just basically picking up on all of this information and how to process the world and how the world works. So, it's really important that with the timeline therapy, we go all the way back to pre-seven, basically. And obviously it can be really hard to remember a specific memory from being that young, all of the sort of like details. So we can really work with the feeling and basically trusting that. And if you can't remember the specific event, trusting that your subconscious mind remembers that event. Um, so yeah, with the timeline therapy, we go back to that first ever memory of that situation recurring. We then, um, so we bring that into your conscious and then we take you back to a place, say an hour before that, or where you were in a place of safety. And then we start to do this release technique. Um, and basically, yeah, start to clear and release and and rewire. So um, yeah, and I've totally forgotten your question now. <laughs> That's so cool. I hope that yeah, <laughs> that totally does. Yeah, just about remembering in the subconscious. That makes sense. Um, yeah. So for people that are like, I've, I mean, I've even experienced this myself where people in the past when I was younger, they would be like, oh, because you have diabetes, like you're always going to be like fat or bigger than everyone else, or like you're not going to ever be able to be fit. And that was always told to me, but I, I never like, I always believed that I, like, I was always, you know, 
wanting to get ahead. I'm like, no, like I'm not going to believe any of that. And then I've even had clients that are type one diabetic and they've been told the same thing. Like you're never going to lose weight. Like, you know, so is that, so if you're aware of like, just as an example, say you're aware of what people are telling, like a limiting belief like that, but you don't really believe it to be true, but you've been told so many times, do you think that can be a roadblock, even though you're like, no, I don't believe it, but does it still kind of affect you on a deeper level that you don't think about? If that makes sense, does that make sense? Yeah, no, it absolutely does. Um, And I guess it sort of goes back to those filters that I mentioned before. So like when we're taking on all of this information that's being presented to us every single second, then our filters, they're just like automatic and they start to um, process that information. So even though you might not like completely believe it because well, beliefs are one of your filters, it could be um, sort of your upbringing, right? Or your environment that you're in, which is then working as a filter to filter that information and then again, present to you what's important. So your filter of environment, so constantly being in an environment where you're being told that um, you'll always be overweight because you have diabetes, um, that, that could then be filtering through the information you're receiving to then only present you with the information to, I guess, reinforce and reaffirm that, that idea. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, sorry, you go. No, I was just going to ask um, what other limiting beliefs are, have you seen a common trend within the diabetes community? Yeah. Oh, so I would say um, I feel like there's a lot that come up around dating. Mm, yes, like, that's, <laughs> I can totally relate to that. Yeah. Oh, me too. Me too. Like I used to I would duck off to like, if I was on a date, I'd duck off to the toilet and do my insulin there. I just thought, you know, and from even just that alone, it's like there's so many little beliefs attached to that. It's like, oh, they're not going to like me if I have diabetes or they'll think I'm gross or they won't want to reproduce with me. There's that (laughs) one again. Or I'm unlovable because I have diabetes or I'm broken. Um, I think even in like a work environment, like, Um, I mean, me personally, like there's been times where like my sugars might be a little bit all over the place, or they might be running high, or even I'll be having a hypo in like a work meeting and I'll, it's really hard to sort of like convey that to people who don't have diabetes and be like, oh guys, I've just got to like, you know, duck out and, you know, grab some glucose or whatever and treat this hypo. I think for me personally, um, with that, I start to think, oh, they're going to think that I'm crap at doing my job or that I'm not reliable or um, I, yeah, I'm not a right fit for the job because they need someone who's like able to be more present in meetings. And if she's always going to be running out with hypos and that sort of thing, like that's definitely one I've had to work through. I can relate to all of that. Yeah. Oh, good. I'm not alone. Yeah. <laughs> um, And it's just crazy when you think about it. And like, that's something else in NLP. It's like, you know, whatever you believe is true is true. So choose wisely. Like that's a great little quote that um, we like to work with. But um, it's so, yeah, just get into the habit of asking yourself, like, is that actually true? What I'm believing, you know, do I have any actual evidence to back that up? 
Um, You know, has someone said that to me? Has someone said that, oh, you're unreliable because um, you have to run out of a meeting to treat a hypo? No, probably not. So therefore, what I'm thinking is true is not necessarily true. It's just based on the own sort of limiting thoughts and beliefs that are playing out in my own mind. Um, So that's a great little tip that I would really encourage people to start doing in their everyday life. Um, Just asking yourself, is it true? You know, or is this a story or a narrative that I'm creating in my own head? That's so powerful. I'm going to start doing that. Yeah, that's really good. (laughs) Yes, it's such a game changer. Like, and just keep practicing it. Like even create a little reminder on your phone um, and maybe just have it like pop up every day just to keep reminding you um, of that little tool. Um, And you can literally apply it to any situation. You know, it's um, particularly in like relationships, I find it's really helpful when you're dating. Um, I know like a lot of my friends and these are even non-diabetic friends, they might think, oh, he thinks this about me or he thinks this about our relationship. And it's like, well, is that actually true? (laughs) Yeah. Did he say that or are you making this up based on your own subconscious, whatever is going on in there? Um, but yeah, it's, it's such a powerful tool, such a game changer. Um, but yeah, with the diabetes, I would say the limiting beliefs are, in particular around there's a lot of fear, a lot of fear of these potential complications, um, even like a lot of belief that like they'll never be healthy, mm-hmm. which blows my mind and I'm sure you can agree. It's like if you look after yourself as a diabetic, you can be like probably healthier than a lot of other people out there who aren't actually paying attention to like the food they're putting in their body or how they're moving their body or looking after their mind. So there's just, there's so many, like, in fact, I'd even like love to hear some of yours. I'm sure with your clients, like you're faced with so many as well. Yeah. I think, um, a big one is the fear of even exercising because of going too low or like falling asleep, you know, that one is huge. And then, I mean, I think, like, yeah, the dating one stands out so much for me because it like I've had diabetes for I think it's going to be 22 years, but it wasn't until like 2017 that I started to really accept it. So I went a long time with just not, you know, trying to ignore it. <laughs> so, wow. yeah, and a big one was the dating and like just the fear of being different really is what I think it, what, what I think it is, but I don't know if that's right, but that's how I, I, I just felt a long time ago. Yeah. Totally. And I think like, um, there's so many stereotypes and like, so like every diabetic has experienced like an assumption made by someone else who doesn't have diabetes when they say they have it. It's like, oh, so does that mean you like ate too much sugar as a kid? Or does that mean, you know, blah. So there's so many questions and so many assumptions and stereotypes like put on diabetics from Mm -hmm. non-diabetics. So it really does make you feel different and misunderstood. So sometimes it's easier to just be like, do you know what? Just don't worry about it. Like, I'm just not even going to tell you about my diabetes. I'm not going to talk about it. Um, But just on that note, so I used to, it used to be really triggering for me. I used to get so 
frustrated and fed up with all of those assumptions and stereotypes and just ridiculous questions from non-diabetics. And I would often just reply and just be like, do you know what? I'm not even going to waste my breath. Just go Google it. And then someone said to me once, they were like, hold on, you're all about raising awareness, right? Every time someone asks you a question, even though it might sound ridiculous to you, there's an opportunity to educate and spread awareness of what diabetes actually is and start to like break some of those stereotypes and some of those assumptions. And I was like, ah, uh-huh. <laughs> oh, yes. Okay. So now I'm like, yep, hit me with your questions. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. And I'm sure so many people can relate to being in that. I mean, I can too. Like now it doesn't yep. bother me as much because I don't know. Yeah. I guess same as you. I it's more of an opportunity, but not all I don't all the time take the opportunity. Like sometimes I just don't want to talk about it, but I've had so many moments where it's like I'll like be with family and they'll be like, "Oh, she can't eat that." Or they'll like make me a special side dish and be like, "Oh, here's this instead of this." And I, yeah, you know, that whole thing. So <laughs> Yeah. And like how does that make you feel? Like what is your belief around that it used to like humiliate me so much when I was younger and make me really angry. But now, I mean, for an example, it was like the first Christmas that I spent with my boyfriend's family and his grandmother made me a side of quinoa instead of rice because everyone else was eating rice. And I'm like, I can eat both. Like I can eat rice. But then in my mind, I'm like, but if I have the choice, I'm probably going to eat quinoa instead anyways. So it's like a weird... Uh, yeah (laughs) totally I know what you mean it's like hey well don't assume that I can't eat that like don't try and segregate me Mm -hmm. because of my diabetes but at the same time you're like oh well quinoa probably is a lot healthier than rice so that sounds pretty great too you know it's such a cat 22 I I know exactly what you mean um like but yeah it's just that sort of like frustration like don't assume that I can't, like, don't tell me what I can eat. Yeah. And like single me out when it's like, I'm the only one. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like there's Taja with a little bowl of quinoa while eating our rice. But yeah, I know what you mean. Um, And I think it just like, that's what I love about this NLP work as well. It's like, you start to realize that when you when you start to look at your own limiting beliefs and you start to rewire them, what other people do doesn't matter. What other people do to you doesn't matter. Like, because you're like, okay, well, I know that if this is triggering me, that's probably based on one of my own limiting beliefs. So there's a little indicator and a little trigger for you actually to go look at that. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, it's, yeah, there's this great... Um, great approach as well. It's like not like everything that happens to you isn't your fault, but it is your responsibility, how you respond and how you take action based on what's happened to you. Um, but yeah, so now like when I get frustrated in situations, I'm like, hold on, what's going on here? What's going on inside my subconscious mind? Um, that is causing this to feel like an issue to me. Yeah, And then once you start to like understand and even rework some of those limiting beliefs, you're like, yeah, do you know what? It doesn't really matter what you do at all. 
Um, or you start to understand that they're probably and see that they might have a different perspective or intention for what they're doing. And more than likely, it probably comes from like a place of love. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can start to go, oh, do you know what? That's really beautiful. Um, but yeah, it's so interesting. Like it's what I'm finding at the moment is like, because I'm, I love this subconscious mind work so much. It's like everything that every person does. Like, I'm just like, oh, I wonder what's going on in their subconscious mind. I wonder what their limiting belief is for like acting out in that way or feeling that emotion. It's almost a little bit of a a burden in that sense. (laughs) Yeah. Usually I just want to have a a regular conversation. Um, And like, I'm actually living with my family at the moment, right? Um, And I haven't lived with them in about eight years. And it's so been so interesting to see like all of those things that used to sort of like trigger me when I was a teenager and growing up, they are feeling like they're still present now, like eight years later. And I'd forgotten about them while I lived away from home. Like they weren't in my face every day. And so I forgot that they were even an issue. And now I'm back here and it's like, oh, hello, we're still here. Like, and I'm like, do you know what? Cool. I'm here. I'm ready for you now. I have the tools to be able to work through these triggers. So bring it on. That's so interesting. <laughs> and, and I, like, I've never done NLP work before, but I, I like, no, I don't know if you've heard of Lacey Phillips. She does like, yeah. 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 So yeah. I did her, yeah. one of her things once, um, but that's like as far as I've gone, and I know I don't think she's certified in that. But um, and for uh, people who don't know, definitely into manif- like neural science yeah, and like so yeah, looking into limiting beliefs different. and everything as well. Yeah. So, but I totally relate to just being around family and like my dad's girlfriend, for example. She was like really mean to me growing up, and now when I'm with her, I see like everyone is responsible for their own stuff. So like, I can't blame her. So I feel like I have more acceptance, but um, yeah, it's just so interesting hearing what you're saying. And then just thinking of my own situations and be like, Hmm, I wonder what was going on. Right. We'll have to do a session sometime. I would love to. Yeah. So I would love to for people. um, Cause maybe the subconscious is such a new thing, right. For some people, if you're not conscious, if it of, you know, your limiting beliefs, then how do you become conscious, right? Like if they're in the subconscious, is that a weird question? Do you know what I try to say? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, My first tip would be to get a coach. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, um, even just like just paying attention, start to become like really observant um, of like what you're doing every day, write it down, like – even our emotions, right? So we actually only really experience 12 emotions and eight of them are usually negative because unfortunately a lot of us have a lot of negative conditioning that we've been brought up with or around. Um, So eight of those are usually negative and four of them are usually positive. But usually there's 12 emotions that we will experience every day and more than likely they will repeat themselves every single day because what you practice becomes a skill and our emotions are literally skills. So if we can look at them like that and look at them as being like little indicators, it's like 
there's this great metaphor, you know, if you're in the car and then the fuel light comes on, you don't go, oh, the car is broken. You go, okay, I need to replenish the car with fuel um, because that little light is just operating as an indicator. So you can actually use your emotions and look at your emotions as being indicators as well. Um, and just start to like write them down, even take like a little bit of a, like a logbook or a journal, just like, okay, right now I'm feeling angry or right now I'm feeling really happy. And even just like start to observe what's happening in those moments. Um, but if you can just be really observant and get a clear picture of the reoccurring emotions, the reoccurring behaviors that are playing out in your everyday life, um, then, and just, I guess, start to look like put a microscope to them and go, well, why might I be feeling that? Or why might I be, you know, acting that way? Um, then you can almost do like a little bit of this work yourself, like just really starting to question everything that's playing out in your life. Um, that little tool that we mentioned before, like asking yourself, well, is this true? Like that's, that's a great one. It's like, is it true? Because, and if you can, uh, identify that it's not true, then you that's an indicator right there that it's probably coming from a limiting belief. Um, so, yeah, I would just start to question everything, become observant, take note of it. Because if you've, if you've documented it, then you can just, you know, you can flick back through pages and see, right, what are the reoccurring emotions and behaviors that are playing out in my life and what could that mean where could that be coming from who does that remind me of I think that's a really good question as mm -hmm. well it's like who in my life practiced that behavior or who in my life taught me that emotion or that belief um I yeah I could give you guys a little bit of like an exercise right now which could really help with that like I I think um there's a great little exercise with emotions. Now, it's important to remember that um, our emotions are neither negative or positive. They're just little indicators, um, just like that fuel light going off in the car. It's just acting as an indicator. It doesn't mean that the car is broken. It just means you need to replenish it. And that's how we can look at our emotions as well. So if we are feeling a little bit sad or angry or frustrated, think of that as your fuel light going off and being like, okay, you're feeling this way. This is your indicator. What do you need? Right. Do you need a little bit of self-care? Do you need like some time alone? Like how can you replenish your car? Um, but yeah, a, a fun little exercise is looking at like the five key areas of life. So let's say love and relationships, income and career, um, health and wellness, uh, and personal growth. Is that five? And then under each of those categories, write down the three most frequent emotions you feel in relation to that thing. So example, for love, um, you might be feeling frustrated because you just don't feel like you're getting where you want to go in your dating life. Or maybe on the same hand, you're feeling extremely happy and you're just bursting with love under that category. Maybe with personal development, you're feeling could be frustrated again or it could be angry or it could be like um, confident, like, I'm, yeah, I'm killing it. So looking at those five different categories, come up with three of the most frequent emotions that you experience in relation to those categories. That should give you a total of 15 emotions. And then 
are there any repeated emotions? Are there any patterns? Like what emotions are you seeing have popped up in a couple of those areas um, or maybe all of those areas? And from there, I want you to pick the five most um, common emotions that popped up across those five areas and get those five emotions because they are the ones that are playing out the most in your life. And like I said before, practice becomes a skill. So if you're practicing those five emotions every day, then you're going to become really good at them, right? Mm -hmm. And they're just going to become like autopilot, just instantaneous. Um, And if you can actually start to see, like what I love about this exercise, it really is just about bringing awareness to the emotions that are playing out the most in your life. And you're like, whoa, I'm experiencing anger, like across a few different areas of my life. Um, or I'm experiencing happiness and like, that's amazing. Um, but yeah, this exercise is really just to bring awareness. And then if you want to take it one step further, um, I would then recommend writing down the five emotions that you want to experience and you want to practice more in your everyday life. And I call these power emotions. So, Because like I said, what you practice becomes a skill. So if you can start to practice your power emotions every day, write them on a post-it note, put it on the bathroom mirror, somewhere you can see it every single day and just try to, you won't, they won't come naturally straight away. But if you can just really focus on practicing those power emotions every day, um, then eventually they'll become skills. So just a a fun little exercise if anyone's interested, just to help you become aware and how you can start to see, you know, what's playing out in your life and how it might actually be stopping you from achieving what you want to achieve. Yeah, that's so, that's such a good exercise. Thank you for sharing that. Um, So just to recap the five, just quickly, it's love and relationship. Um, health and wellness and in career income and career development personal development and lifestyle lifestyle okay cool awesome yeah um do you ever find that people will often bl- like put blame on like not take um what is the word? I don't know why I'm having a blank. <laughs> they won't take responsibility, yes, for their own, like the emotions that they're feeling. Absolutely. And I think there's a few reasons for that. Um, one, it's uncomfortable. Two, it probably will mean that you have to take some ownership and actually start to make some changes in your life. And um, three, like maybe you just don't know how to because Mm -hmm. you've never seen anyone do it or you've never actually done it yourself. It's not a part of your conditioning. Um, And I think they're probably the biggest reasons why people don't actually make changes in their life. It's like they don't know how to. um, It's just really uncomfortable um, or it involves making um, changes and people are just they want life to be easy and like life can be easy. And I think that's what I really want to convey with this work. It's like, if you actually do the work now and you actually start to like go within and work through some of these limiting beliefs, 
that is going to help you to move forward and make your life easier. Like, yes, of course, there's always going to be things that pop up, like life is a journey and like we're all human and that's that's what it's all about. But if you actually start to do the work now, that is going to make your life so much easier in the long run. Um, there's this great quote that I like to share and it's um, she did it now for her future self. Mm, I love that. Yeah, yeah, me too. Like just a nice little reminder. It's like, do you know what? I know it's hard. I know it's uncomfortable. I know you might not know how, but, and even if you don't know how, there's always people out there um, like you and I who, who can help you, you know, and, or even if you're not ready to talk to someone, like there's so much information out there and so much support on social media. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, do it now for your future self. I love that. And everything that you um, like teach and coach on, like it's all through experience as well, right? Everything that you've, is that what you said? Yeah, yeah. totally. What was the term that you used? I thought it was really a really good term. Um, I don't know. Just now? experience. No, it was um, when you emailed me, it was experienced. Um, Oh, I'm a lived experience. Yeah, lived experience. I love that. I was like, I love, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, yeah, absolutely. Like I, I consider even as a a coach, like even though I'm helping people, it's like, I am still on this journey of life as well. And I think it's really, really important as a coach to convey that, um, like as a lived experience, like, what do I mean by that? It means I've lived it, Mm -hmm. right? Like I have, had so, so many limiting beliefs that I've had to work through, but I guess I just now have a few more tools in my toolbox to help me work through those limiting beliefs and to help move me forward. Um, but yeah, I really, really want to drive home that, um, as, as a coach, like we are living it as well. We're just lived experiences and I'm not preaching this like amazing life from a place like from a lack of experience, it's like, no, I've been through that shit. I've been in some dark places, you know, mm-hmm. but I managed to, well, I, I went within, I sought the help that I needed. I, I worked with coaches and healers and mentors and I worked through some of that stuff and I rewired it and I released it. And that's, what's gotten me to where I am now. And like, I'm also not preaching that like, you know, my life is perfect or anything like that. It just doesn't exist. But I think it's really important. And like, especially with um, diabetes, like that's where this whole idea of a lived experience first came to me because when I started to put information out there about diabetes, I was like, well, I'm not a nutritionist. Like I'm not, you know, a, a PT or an exercise physiologist or whatever. Like I, I haven't studied those areas, but I am a lived experience. Mm-hmm. I have been through it. And I think that is more... I can say a little bit more than like a lot of some of the GPs that are helping us or the doctors that are helping us. Like I know me personally, my endocrinologist and my diabetes educators don't have diabetes. Um, and sure, they see so many diabetics, but to actually truly know what it feels like and how it affects your day-to-day life, like they they don't have that lived experience. Yeah. Um I love that. That's so powerful. And I completely agree. Like even like, I really do think that we are even like, I feel weird saying that I'm an expert in anything because I feel like I'm always learning, but we are experts in our disease because we put so much time and effort in that area and we know what works for us. Right. 
Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. That's so, so true. So when did you um, start eating plant-based? Like you've been eating plant-based for a year and a half, which is super cool. But what was the transition from like were you just – was it during the stage when you were in college and you were like wanting to take care of yourself or did it come later on? Yeah, it um it came a lot later. Okay. So yeah, a year and a half now. Oh yeah, because you've been um, a year and a half. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, I wish I was like a year and a half out of college. Yeah, but <laughs> no, no, no. Um, so yeah, about a year and a half ago, I made the decision to go plant based, and um, it was something. And before that, I was eating a, a like what you would consider a, a regular Western diet, right? Mm-hmm. Like you know, just a sort of broad range of foods. I was eating a lot of animal products. I think I was eating like four eggs a day, like, cause that's what I considered to be healthy at the time. And that was the information I had up until that point. Um, and then it really was, um, I, I would say through social media and like podcasts, like being able to access this whole other world and all these other possibilities for like diabetes health. I was like, whoa, like why has this been kept from me? You know, like why don't my doctors know this? And, um, and that just, and it actually was around that time where I was like sitting in the waiting room starting to go, "Mm, there's gotta be another way. There's gotta be another way. Like something in my intuition was just telling me to like do your own research, trust yourself on this. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I did. I just, I, I started doing my own research and from there it just snowballed and I listened to more and more podcasts. I did more and more reading. Um, and I was like, you know what, I'm just going to try it. Like what's, you know, I don't have to stick to this diet. Um, and to be honest, like at first it was hard. In fact, I think I went vegetarian even a year before that. It's like, all right, I'm going to go vegetarian. Um, it was around Christmas time and, I came home to see my family and they, you know, eat a regular Western diet. There was ham, there was turkey, all those like delicious things. And I was like, okay, I don't want to be vegetarian anymore. I'll, I'll try again another time. Maybe. Yeah. So yeah, that, that ended up falling through, but, um, yeah, a a year and a half ago when was, when I was like, right, we are truly going to commit to this. Like, I'm going to give this a crack. And see if it will improve my insulin sensitivity and even just even see how I felt overall. And that's probably been um, the thing that has kept me on track with this plant-based diet. It's how I feel overall. Like I felt so much more clear-headed. I felt I had so much more energy. I just felt lighter. Like I felt physically healthier when I removed like those um, refined foods and those animal products, like, yeah, I, I actually really, really felt different. Um, not to mention like the the positive impact it's had on my insulin sensitivity. So that, that was the whole goal behind going plant-based is to improve my insulin sensitivity. Um, and for anyone, any diabetics who want to cross mastering diabetes, like they are the kings at this. They like came up with this concept and they have worked with thousands and thousands of diabetics. They've even helped diabetics um, with type 2 actually um, put themselves in, uh, well, reverse their type 2 diabetes 
crazy. And also they really encourage a high carb diet, which is, again, so different to everything that I've personally been taught. Like, mm-hmm. like you, diet, yeah. Okay. It's like low DI, you know, like you're a diabetic, you can't process carbs, like that's going to raise your blood sugars. Um, but something that I think is really important and that a lot of the time us diabetics tend to forget is we are more than just our diabetes. Like we have a lot of other organs in our body um, to look after. But I think as a diabetic, you know, there's so much emphasis on look at your blood sugars, look at your HbA1c, like otherwise you're going to get all of these really horrible um, health conditions. Um, So that's what I love about plant-based eating as well. It really focuses on like nutrition and like healthy eating as a whole. Um, I mean, I know keto is like a big one. And also I'm not here to like brag on any diets. Like this is just my own personal experience based on my own, my own lived experience. Mm -hmm. Um, So, and everyone's on their own journey and they've got to do their own thing and listen to their own body. Um, But plant-based works for me. And, um, but yeah, I just feel like with keto and those kind of high fat diets, um, that really reduce the carb intake. Yeah. It looks great on paper. And at first, and, um, you do start to see like really steady blood glucose levels, but what is it actually doing to your overall body and your organs and your health on a long-term scale? It's Mm -hmm. like, there's a whole bunch of other health issues that can stem from that, you know, high cholesterol, like what does that lead to? Like heart disease and all of these other variables. Um, so yeah, there's a few reasons there why I really like eating plant-based um, for improving my insulin sensitivity. And I, since going on a whole food plant-based diet, that's another thing to really um, emphasize here is it's like whole foods not refined foods and also like really reducing the fat intake. I think they encourage 15% of your daily intake to be from fat, which mm-hmm. is not very much. It's like half an avocado or something. Um, but, yeah, my HbA1c has been better than it ever has been in the whole like 10 years of me having diabetes. Um, and, yeah, I would also say that like my insulin dosages and my insulin to carb ratio has improved as well. Um, so I think I'm back to like the insulin I was on when I was first diagnosed. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, cool, I'm going to keep going with this. And like, yeah, because I'm seeing the results. And again, I'm very well aware that there's always new information coming out. And my main goal, like you have to have your why for doing Mm -hmm. anything. And my why is to just be at the healthiest I possibly can be. And this to me feels like the healthiest um, and most results-based and driven method for me right now. I love that. Yeah. And I love how, I mean, it's so good to hear for like what works for people, right? And then for everyone to just make their own what works for them because there's no like set in stone right or wrong way. But it's so nice to know like what is working for people because I remember and I even talked to people too. It's like you'll be in that place where you want to be healthy but you just don't know. And so knowing what other people are doing is so helpful. 
Totally. And there's so, so much information out there. It can almost feel like a little bit, you know, that tends to make it more confusing sometimes Mm -hmm. because you're like, so much information. So actually that's another hot tip I'd recommend. It's like, you know, whatever sort of journey you're on, whether it be like health-wise, spirituality, whatever, like just find a few trusted sources that really resonate with you. Um, obviously always be open-minded and be open to taking in information and continue learning. But um, rather than just going and listening to all the podcasts and all the books and reading all the sites and following all the people, like it can just get really overwhelming and confusing. Um, so yeah, find your trusted sources. That's an amazing tip. And yeah, I've even in, not even just in health, but like in business, like every aspect I've totally had to do that because I get overwhelmed if not. Exactly. But, I, I totally know what you mean. Yeah. Um, for, okay. So, cause I, I mean, I have so many people that ask me about plant-based and I, I was vegetarian for most of my life. Like when I was younger, my family, they did macrobiotic and then I was diagnosed with type one diabetes. So they had to like switch things up. And then I was vegetarian. I tried plant-based, but it didn't work for me. So I don't follow plant-based, but I think my issue was I wasn't getting enough protein. I didn't even know that I, my body needed a certain amount of protein. So my hair started breaking off and like, I just was not getting the proper nutrients. So I always was like, oh, like plant-based never worked for me. But I really think it just was because I wasn't balancing like what I was eating. So for someone who is interested in trying plant-based, like maybe they want to improve their insulin sensitivity, what what would your recommendation be to like start out and yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So um, definitely go check out the Mastering Diabetes guys. Like they are the OG plant-based for diabetes, improving insulin sensitivity guys. Um, And they actually have this chart on their website and it's called the green light foods, the yellow light foods and the red light foods. And it just breaks it down and sections it so, so clearly and so, so nicely um, about the foods that they really encourage you to eat to maintain a... um, a plant-based diet to improve insulin sensitivity, but still getting all of your macro nutrients and all of your um, nutrient needs. So they've got a chart there. It's so, so simplified. Um, I would also really start to educate yourself with like labels, you know, look at the ingredients that are in your foods and even just um, learning about like, you know, how much protein do I actually need per day? And how much um, how much iron do I need? And then start to look at the ingredients that are in these foods and see, okay, well, do they meet my protein and nutrient requirements? Um, I would also, I would recommend doing it, I'm all about like transitioning, so like doing it as a process because But it depends on the type of person you are, I guess, you know, like some people would rather just like throw themselves straight into it, gung-ho, and that's probably where they're going to see the most results. Um, So I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but I feel like with anything, you know, that you want to maintain as a habit or that you want to take on as a habit, it is a process and it is a transition. So I would just start by making little switches in your diet. And like, this is something I really want to emphasize as well with plant-based eating. Like you're not going to miss out on anything and you, 
a really someone described this to me and it was just such an easy way to understand it's like think of a piece of meat right um what do you do to make that meat taste good you cover it in spices sauces mm-hmm. whatever to, to make it taste delicious otherwise that piece of meat on its own probably going to be a bit bland gross same with a piece of tofu or a piece of tempeh or some vegetables, you know, like, yep, sure, on their own they're a bit bland and boring. But if you cover them in spices um, and herbs, yum, like delicious. So um, and just start to look at like where you can make little swaps. Like the first thing for me um, was switching the milk, you know, like switching to a plant-based milk. Um, and then it could be maybe just cutting out red meat to start out or then cutting out and then adding white meat to cut out, still eating fish and just see how you go and like see how your body responds to that as well. Um, And if it's really, really confusing, like I would probably, yeah, consult a a plant-based nutritionist. Um, But I feel like there's so much information out there, you know, like Mm -hmm. um, I can definitely send you – a bunch of links to include in the show notes if you like. Okay. Um, there's a, an Australian podcaster um, called Plant Proof, Simon Hill, um, and he's, yeah, he's incredible. He just breaks it down really nicely. He looks at all different areas. He's also very open-minded. He's like, um, like, yeah, he'll talk to the keto people, he'll talk to paleo people, he'll talk to vegans. So there's a really nice broad range of information there. Um but yeah, definitely the mastering diabetes are your guys and they have that table that just breaks it down so, okay. so simply. Cool. And then you also have a Facebook group too, right? That focuses on plant-based. Yes. And we'll, exactly. link, to, we'll link to that too. <laughs> so oh, awesome. yes. You. Do you have, is there a bunch of people um, following plant-based that have diabetes in the Facebook group? Yes, exactly. Okay. And even a few nutritionists in there. That's so awesome. So that would be a really good place too. Definitely. And so like everyone's always sharing like their experience in there and um, sharing recipes and posting links um, to information. So yeah, it's a, it's a Facebook community that I created um, and it's free to join. Of course, Um, everyone's welcome. Um, Even if you're not a diabetic and you're a loved one of a diabetic and you just want to learn a little bit more, but um, I created that actually the idea came to me when I was sitting in the waiting room for my endocrinology appointment. And I was just like, man, I can't find the support that I want and that I need. So I'm just going to create it. Like, yeah, create my community. I love it. Yeah. And I think that's, I love that you did that. Cause I feel like that's also too, how so many of these amazing things started, right? Like it's always something that we needed personally. <laughs> that's exactly right. Like basically that's how I like the information that I put out. It's like, okay, I'm basically just like sharing with you what I'm doing and what's working for me mm-hmm. and my approach. So it makes it really fun and easy. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I'm sure you're the same. Like you were doing some incredible things. I oh, love thank it. Thank you. Yeah. And it's, it's the same as you, like totally just because I need it and I do it. <laughs> so. The lived um, experience. Yes. I love that. So for, um, how, like, do you mind like just maybe giving an example of like things that you eat in a day just for people who yeah. are like really wanting to do plant-based, but they're just not really sure. Like, what do I eat? Like, what do I eat for protein? Cause that's a big question. Actually, I do have a couple people that have taken my program and I just, I do macronutrition coaching. So 
people that are plant-based can join, but it's getting the right amount of protein every day. And a lot of people, that's one question, like if I'm plant-based, what do I eat? You know? So yeah, what do you eat in a day? (laughs) Sure. Sure. Um, so I'm really a big fan of intermittent fasting. Mm -hmm. So I, um, and I just found that that really improved my, um, my blood glucose levels as well. So I try to fast between 12 and 16 hours a day. Um, so I, I skip breakfast Um, and that just, I found that like that, and obviously like, I'm, again, I'm not telling anyone what to do. It just is what works for me. And you've got to be careful with it based on your insulin dosages, because I did had to have to lower my insulin dosages a little bit. Um, but I just wasn't getting that spike in the morning. Like my pancreas wasn't having to really force, you know, trying to release some insulin to, to cope with breakfast first thing in the morning. Um, so I try to fast 12 to 16 hours a day. Um, and then my first meal will probably be around like midday. Um, now I am a bit like, I love variety as well. And I love flavor. So I'm all about like my herbs and spices. I have garlic in everything. Like, yeah. Apologies to my partner, but, <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it, it's such a game changer in terms of like the flavor. Um, I am a big fan of tofu and tempeh. Um, so they're really excellent sources of protein. Um, and again, you can just lather them in lots of, um, herbs and stuff to make them flavorsome. Um, I'm a big fan of legumes. So a lot of chickpeas, a lot of lentils. Um, I like mixing it up with, well, even mixed beans. Um, I make a lot of like burger patties out of like cannelloni beans, um, I have a really a great recipe on my page actually um, for like a chicken-free burger patty. Mm. That's probably the thing I miss the most, chicken and like, oh, like crumbed <laughs> chicken and fried chicken. Yeah. Um, so I'm like, okay, I need this in my life somehow. So I'll just create recipes. But um, so, yeah, lots of legumes. And um, just quickly on the legume thing, when I first went plant-based, I was experiencing extreme bloating, uncomfortability, um, from eating legumes. Um, and we won't go into the science of it too much, but it's based on like the lectins that are on the legumes and it's really hard for your gut and your digestive system to break them down. Um, and so I almost gave up and I was like, oh my God, like I can't deal with this. Um, But, and that's often where people sort of fall off the bandwagon because they're like, this is too hard. It shouldn't be making me feel this way. But that's when you have to push through and actually train and teach your body to be able to digest those things. I would also really recommend washing them thoroughly, even soaking them for like hours before you cook them just to really get rid of those lectins. Um, I'm also a big fan of whole grains. So quinoa, brown rice. Um, and then lots of veggies. So, and that's, yeah, every day could be different for me. Like I'm a big fan of broccoli, um, sweet potatoes, a lot of spinach and leafy greens. Um, I love onion. Um, I also eat a lot of, so yeah, that could be my lunch, like (laughs) all of those things. And I like to keep it like nice and fun. I'm really into, um, oh my God, sprouts at the moment. Mm. It's so funny like, that you mentioned that because 
my dad was saying he's been like growing sprouts. Like he buys the seeds and then puts them in the window for four days or something and then gets all these sprouts. So it's funny that you just said that. <laughs> exactly. I really want to start growing my own sprouts because it's that easy. Yeah. It's so easy to buy the seeds and they grow within a matter of days. And um, I think it's, don't quote me, but I think it's like between 30 to 60 um, times, like sprouts are 30 to 60 times more nutrient dense than the actual vegetable. Wow. So I'm like, awesome. Like why not just eat more sprouts? Like they're so easy to chuck on any meal. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, you get all those nutrients rather than e- eating like a whole broccoli head. Um, so sprouts on everything. Um, I'm a big fan of like seeds. Um, so it could be like flax seeds, hemp seeds, um, pepita seeds, sunflower seeds. Um, I also love nutritional yeast flakes. So I'll like sprinkle those on everything. Um, dinner could be something very similar, um, or even like, you know, whole grain pastas and that sort of thing. Like I, um, I actually make this really delicious, um, lentil bolognese. It's so cheap and easy and yeah, nutritious. Like it's literally just a can of tin tomatoes, a can of lentils, blitz them in the Nutribullet, a lot of spices and stock. Um, and there's your like bolognese, bolognese yeah. sauce, delicious. Um, and for snacks and stuff, I love fruit. Like I eat a lot of apples and bananas. I think that's another thing that the mastering diabetes guys really drive home. It's that you don't have to rule out fruits, even though that was something we were always told. Especially bananas, right? <laughs> yeah. So high carb, like I used to use bananas to treat a hypo. And now I just eat them as snacks. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, <laughs> berries. I'm also a big fan of oats as well. So sometimes maybe for my first meal of the day, I might have some oats. I'll put some cacao in there, um, some berries, banana, a little bit of natural peanut butter. So there's like such a variety of foods that I, I still eat. Um, but, yeah, it's just I guess the keys for like transitioning to a plant-based diet for insulin sensitivity lower the fat intake, eat as many whole foods as possible. Um, I've stopped cooking with oil as well. So I usually cook with water instead just to remove that fat intake and also that refined food. Um, And, yeah, just be, be consistent. Meal prep, like I'll make a big batch of like maybe a quinoa vegetable salad on a Sunday and that will do me for my lunches throughout the whole week. And then I'll just chuck some sprouts on there, maybe a bit of tofu on the side. So easy. Yeah. That's awesome. Meal prep. And, um, do you subtract your fiber? Like, do you need, do you find that you need to eating plant-based from the carbs that you're eating? Um, as in like, like before you, yeah, for, for for bolusing, for calculating your dose, do you, ever subtract the fiber? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, no, no. Okay. Right. And personally, like I, um, like I've always had like some gut related issues and like Mm -hmm. digestion issues. So I try and like, I guess eat as much fiber as possible. Okay. Um, in terms of like bolusing, I know I'm, it's not something I've really ever about. About, yeah. It's, I was just wondering, cause I've, um, I subtract my fiber because it doesn't have a lot of effect on blood sugar. Usually, I guess it depends on the person and what you're doing, 
but I was having a lot of lows. And so I started subtracting the fiber. And because you're eating like a lot of fiber and a lot of whole foods, I was just curious if you had to as well. Yeah. Interesting. Um, no, I'm not across that, but I'm going to look into it. Yeah. (laughs) That's so awesome. So, um, what else on plant-based? Like what, is there anything else? I'm just trying to think, I want to make sure that we don't like miss anything. Um, because insulin, um, people that are insulin resistant, that is huge. Like I, I know probably in your community too, it's like such a huge thing in our community because we obviously share, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I, Hmm. I think something important to maybe experiment with is if you are reducing the amount of carbs in your diet, how do you know actually how insulin resistant or how insulin sensitive you are? Because it's so ingrained in us to eat low GI or, and you know, we're seeing great blood sugar levels with like keto and paleo by reducing carbs altogether, you can't really know how insulin resistant or how insulin sensitive you are if you have removed the carbs from your diet. So I would really encourage people to like give it a go, like even though it feels really uncomfortable and scary at first based on your conditioning and everything that you've been taught, um, just reintroduce those carbs so that you can actually start to like use yourself as a bit of an experiment and see, okay, well, how much, um, how much do I need to bolus for this amount of carbs? Um, but yeah, if you've removed them from your diet completely, like you can't actually get an accurate reading on like how insulin resistant or how insulin sensitive you are. So Mm. it, and it's going to be like a little bit of, um, it's going to be a bit tricky at first because it's new and, but yeah, definitely stick with it. Like I said before, with the um, the legumes and stuff, like I was ready to give up because I was feeling so uncomfortable. But once I, that's usually when you have to keep pushing through, right? Um, yeah. To give like a little bit of a metaphor, it's like there's this guy who's a miner and he's digging through this tunnel and he wants to find a diamond and he's you know, he's been digging and digging for days and weeks and months and he hasn't found any diamonds. And then he gives up and he leaves. So he's like, there's no diamonds here. But really, if you look at like that picture from an outside perspective, like he was just so, so close to the diamond, but because he gave up, like he didn't get the diamond. So persistence um, and consistency is key here, I think. That's so powerful. And I feel like, I mean, I can just think of like a number of aspects in my own life that that translates to. So (laughs) I love that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> That's amazing. And then um, on plant-based, there's one more thing. I was, oh yeah. How long did it take you to really find, because speaking of like giving up as well, how long did you find it took? Because you were doing it for 18 months or no, wait, a year or like how long did you say it took to kind of figure out like what worked for you? Um, I would say like a good six months. Okay. Like a, a really good six months. Um, and even after that, there was still like some times where um, I would be like, oh, like is, you know, I'm feeling a little bit um, tired. But also I guess 
Another little tip would be when you get your regular diabetes blood test, ask them to test your vitamin levels, right? Mm -hmm. Like learn how to read your blood test results as well. Like, and also don't just take the Bible what the doctor says. Like, um, I know personally, I, um, my doctor will just look over my blood test results and be like, oh, yep, you're within the range of iron or you're within the range of like vitamin D or um, B12, whatever. And I'm like, usually you just go, awesome. And you you trust what the doctor's saying. But then I learned to start asking for my own results and looking at them myself. And what I was noticing was like, maybe I was a little bit more on the low scale of mm-hmm. some of these things. And so I could have done with a little bit of a top up. Um, and then that would then make sense as to why I might've been feeling like a little bit extra tired, like during those couple of months or um, whatever, Um, Or maybe my brain function was a little bit off. You know, it's like it could just come down to like maybe needing a little bit of a top up in some areas of your life. Um, But now I've totally forgotten. (laughs) That's so good, though, because I feel like a lot of people don't, you know, even think about that. Right. It's like you just take what your doctor tells you and that's it. But really looking deep and just taking your own health into your own hands kind of, right? Exactly. Yep. You are the master of your own destiny, Mm -hmm. you know, like take ownership and just remember that they're seeing so many people every day. Like it's, they, they can't possibly, and I know they're doing the best they can, like they, but they can't possibly give you like this really individualized um, plan Mm -hmm. for your diet or your movement or your life. So that's where you need to step up and take responsibility for yourself and do your own research. And these days there's really no excuse, you know, like like there's so, so much information out there. Um, And there's even so much information like on social media or just listening to a podcast, like as you're driving to work or you're out on a walk. Um, So yeah, educate yourself um, and take ownership and responsibility over your own health and your own life. Yeah. I love that. That's so good. Um, I know we're like, what are we an hour and a half? Sorry. Oh, <laughs> it's, I could talk fine. to you forever. It's so interesting. I and I, I'm sorry if yeah. I'm like waffling too much. On no, some of these not at all. It's <laughs> so interesting. And I love to hear about it. Um, but I guess I wonder if there's anything like, is there anything that I didn't ask you that I should have that would help people? Um, before we wrap up, I feel like, I feel like we've pretty much like covered it, I guess. Cause like we've looked at, um, the plant-based stuff and diabetes talked about diabetes and then also talked about NLP. Like, um, I, I feel pretty good about everything we've covered. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so if you're happy, like I'm happy. Yeah. So. I think it's re- it's going to be so helpful for people. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. And we um, could always do like another one if you want, like a, yeah. a part two or yeah, that would whatever be so you like. Good. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and then how can people connect with you? So Instagram for sure, right? Instagram for sure. Um, so I am at Serendipity Coaching. Um, so Serendipity is spelled S-A-R-A-N-D-I-P-I-T-Y. So like the word serendipity, but S-A-R-A at the start. Um, 
So yeah, hit me up on Instagram. You can DM me anytime. Um, I post a lot of recipes. I post a lot of NLP related stuff. Um, and at the moment I'm actually running a Sorry, did you want Sorry, to say no, something? No, I do, but I was going to let you finish. I was going to say like on the Instagram, uh, some of the photos of food that you've posted are so delicious looking. I was like, I need that right now. <laughs> oh my God, awesome. That's so good to yeah. hear. Um, yeah, that's the thing. Like, I guess I've always wanted to, because like I'm a busy person, I get it. And I've just always wanted to like emphasize that plant-based eating doesn't have to be hard. It also like I've saved so much money, like eating plant-based, you know, like legumes, they're so cheap. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it's, it's affordable, it's easy. Um, and it can be really fun and delicious. Like I actually asked my friends and family members, I'm like, okay, what's your favorite meal? I'll make it a plant-based version. And I love doing that. And that's sort of what I want to be posting about and sharing in the plant-based diabetic community. Um, And I do get a lot of feedback from people saying, oh, my God, like, that's so easy. Like, I never would have thought I could eat, like, nuggets that taste like chicken that aren't chicken, you know. So I just want people to know they're not going to miss out on anything. Yeah, and that's Um, important too, I'm sure, because a lot of people, probably not everyone in their family wants to do it. So if you're making things that taste and mimic, it makes it easier probably. Exactly right. Yes. A little bit of a challenge I'm dealing with that at the moment being back home because yeah. no one in the family is plant-based, but, um, but that's the thing. I, I, yeah, I'm just taking their favorite foods, putting a spin on it and surprising them and blowing their mind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. And then, okay. So your five day challenge, sorry for cutting yeah. you off. That's okay. Um, yes. Yeah, so at the moment I, um, I'm actually running a free five day self-discovery challenge. So if any of the like NLP stuff that we talked about resonated, um, I go into that in a lot more detail in this free challenge. Um, and yeah, each day I will give people a little like audio training snippet, which only goes for about 10 minutes. So you don't need a lot of time. Um, and I dive into a different area of the subconscious mind, how it works and then basically just get people thinking and get people aware of their own situation and how it could be unfolding in their own life. And then I'll ask them to complete some tasks at the end of the audio training um, to really help them narrow in on their own, I guess, limiting beliefs and emotions and values and all those things we talked about before. Um, So that's running at the moment. Um, The link is in my bio of my Instagram and it's completely free. Yeah. I'll link to it. I'll link to everything in the show notes of this episode too. So if people, if it resonates, they can just click on those too. (laughs) And I'll I'll link to your Instagram also. Perfect. That sounds so good. Thank you. Yeah. And then um, you also do one-on-one coaching, right? I do. Yes. So I actually offer a um, free initial consultation. So where I sit down on the client and we have a chat and I get to know what um, problems or issues or reoccurring patterns are playing out in their own life. Um, And then we can start to create them like a personalized plan and maybe apply some of those NLP techniques to start to release and clear and rewire some of those limiting beliefs and emotions that are stopping them from moving forward in their life and getting to where they want to go and from achieving their goals. So yeah, I'm available for that free initial consultation and um, then we can always find a plan that works for, for everyone. Awesome. 
I love it. That's so, I'm like, yeah, I'm interested in diving into everything NLP now after this conversation. It's so intriguing to me. Yay. All right. Awesome. I'll link to everything in the show notes. And Sarah, thank you so much for taking the time out of your morning to connect. And I just feel so lucky that we were able to connect with each other. Yes, me too. The the beauty of social media, right? Connecting like-minded diabetics. I, I love know. it. So I'm so grateful I'm for it. it. Yes, me too. Me too. Um, and I love what you're doing with the diabetic community. And yeah, you are such a light. So yeah, thank you so much for doing all the work that you do and um, spreading the word and having me on today. It's been so fun. Thank you so much. Yes, we'll definitely have to keep in touch and talk more. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Just the beginning, I feel. Yes, me too. Okay. Have a beautiful day and I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. You too. Okay. Bye. Wow. What a fun conversation. I really, really hope that you enjoyed listening to this combo as much as I enjoyed talking to Sarah. And I have linked to everything that we talked about in the show notes. So be sure to check those out if you feel called to do so. I love you so much and I will talk to you very soon. Bye for now.